Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day. Second Peter chapter number two. Amen. For the men that are going to National Ministry Conference on Friday, we will be leaving at 8 a.m. and uh, things will be ready to be loaded up starting at 7.30 a.m. So it's going to be an exciting, exciting time in Maryville, Tennessee for National Ministry Conference. I just had a finalizing meeting last night. Uh, with everybody that serves there on that board and so it's going to be exciting powerful amen go with expectation hallelujah because god was going to do something wonderful amen down there in those series of services second peter chapter number two i want to begin with verse number one i'm going to be reading verses one through three and uh we'll just see how far we get in this the bible says but there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, heresies and even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Amen. For a little while on the sixth part of our series on the book of Second Peter, I'd like to talk to us tonight about false teachers and their students. Amen. False teachers and their students. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. No, we've been doing a lot of praying, but we want the Lord's word to touch us anew and afresh. Father, I come to you tonight. Ask, O oh God, that your word would touch us afresh tonight. God, as we delve in into the scriptures again, bring, Lord, light and meaning, God, to us by the word of God. Lord, let it penetrate, God, to our very soul and our very being. Help us, God, to glean something from us. This, Lord Jesus, to be able to help orientate, Lord Jesus, our lives. God, to live for you. God, to be aware, God, of the things that are about us. So, Lord Jesus, that we would not be ignorant. Lord, that we would not be an ostrich with our head in the sand, but we would be conscious, Lord, and aware, God, of our surroundings. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. False teachers and their students. Here we have for quite some time now, I've made reference over and over again, you know, chapter 2. Chapter 2, those low-down, good-for-nothing, you know, people that's going to be heretics and bringing in uh, false doctrine and things of that nature. And so Second Peter chapter number 2 is the reason why Peter told us what he did tell us in Second Peter chapter number 1. Just as a means of summarizing what the Lord told us through the writing of Peter in Second Peter chapter number 1, he told us not just to know God, but to live out our knowledge of him in our lives, not just to know God, but live God out in our lives. He told us that we had been given everything that we needed. 
Right? You've heard that a thousand times already. He's given us everything that we needed whenever we received his divine power. We call it the Holy Ghost. But whenever we received his divine power, we received everything we needed. We received power, the Bible says, to uh, be partakers of his divine nature if we would allow it and permit it in our lives. We are to grow, Peter told us, in what we have received. We're to grow in the Holy Ghost. We're to grow in that spirit of the Lord and allow and let flourish everything that is encompassed in the spirit of God amen within the spirit of the Lord that's been given to us he told us that we need to abound in those things we need to abound in them and not lack in them and if we would abound in them the Bible says that there would be an entrance that would be made abundant for us into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ but if we lacked that we would approach our lives with with no perspective of our past and no perspective for our future. So Peter makes it his mission in the closing of chapter 1 that he's going to tell us and reiterate and remind us uh, while he is living about the hopes that we can have and about the spirit we should exercise and we should motivate within our lives. And he's hoping that whenever he's dead, that we'll still remember something that he has told us. He assures us that whenever Christ came the first time, uh, that it wasn't a made-up story, it wasn't a fable. And as a matter of fact, he tells us that the same God initiated scriptures that told of his first coming tell of his second coming, and that's not a fable either. Amen. That's not a man-made idea or concept, but it is a God idea. So what Peter has told us in chapter 1 And our adherence to those things that he told us in chapter 1. It's with all of those that I understand then why he shares chapter number 2. Peter finishes emphasizing in chapter 1 the prophecy or the proclaiming, if you will, of the scriptures. And then, remember, there's no chapter divisions in the original manuscripts. Just one flows right into the other. And so while he's emphasizing the proclaiming of scriptures, he comes to verse 1 of chapter 2 and says, But there were false prophets. He's saying the scriptures of no private interpretation. It's been initiated by God. Holy men of old were moved by the Holy Ghost to write. But he says there were false prophets also among the people. Even as there shall be false teachers among you. What Peter is relaying to the people of his day is this. Is that although the scriptures are God's words recorded by men. Not every word from man is of God. He says there have been false prophets in their day. And there will be false teachers in our day. Peter wants us to understand that what they will be dealing with. Even what we deal with even presently today. Is an old reoccurring problem throughout the history of the world. From the very beginning of time. And he wants us to be conscious of it. In order to avoid its influence in our era. In our generation with purpose. Paul, even the apostle Paul, told Timothy what? He said, Timothy, preach the word. Why? He said, because there's going to come a time when people's not going to endure sound doctrine. And they're going to seek a fable rather than seeking truth. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.2, when Paul told Timothy that, he said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come 
when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Here's the fact of the matter for Paul and Timothy. If they are gravitating toward teachers that are propagating fables, then you can note well that those are some false teachers. Right? There isn't anything new. We don't need to be caught off guard. Even Peter's admonishing this. We don't need to be caught off guard as though false teacher, this element, is something that comes to us out of the blue. But our knowledge of this, knowing that it is a generational, uh, uh, from one generation to a generation, a reoccurring problem, what that should do is provoke a response inside of us of getting everything we can out of the Word of God and the Spirit of His Word and living out that Word in our lives. Amen. If Paul told Timothy, preach the Word, then that must be a counter-agent, if you will, to the fables of the false. Right? It must be a counter-agent to the fables of the false. And so that's why then in other portions of Scripture, he says if we are going to live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And he said if you walk in the Spirit, he said you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So this whole word, this whole spirit of that word thing is our counter agent to combat the falsities, the false prophets, the false teachers, not just of Peter's day, but of our day. And so we should, amen, just be another Paul in our generation that says, preacher, preach the word. Teacher, teach the word. Church, declare the word. Amen. As the Bible says, other translations as they bring it about of Second Peter Uh, Chapter number two, other translations say it like this. uh, Whenever we look at uh, uh, rather second Timothy chapter number four, whenever we look at that, they will not endure uh, sound doctrine. They will not put up with sound doctrine. They will not put up with it. They, They will not listen to accurate teachings. Another translation says they will not endure our wholesome doctrine in that they will not hold themselves firmly against it. They will no longer listen to right teaching. I'm just trying to get you in the mind frame of what we're talking about here. They will not tolerate wholesome instruction. Men will not tolerate wholesome teaching. Amen. So they're not going to endure sound doctrine. Here, this, this is something that in the back of our minds as Christians, we need to hold very dear to our hearts, and that is this. When this, preaching, teaching, propagating of the word, when this gets old and boring to you, Be careful because you might be one step away from trying to find someone to tell you what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear. Because both in Jeremiah's day and in Ezekiel's day, the people suffered, if you will, from the soothsayers of looking to listen to someone that would tell them what they wanted to hear rather than what they needed to hear. Jeremiah stands up in his day telling them what they needed to hear. Beware. If you don't repent, if you don't change your ways, calamity is coming. Your beloved city, Jerusalem, is going to be destroyed. It's going to be in rubbles. You will be taken away as a people far away from this land for 70 years. That's what they needed to hear. He's speaking a very true but difficult message to a people that didn't want to hear it. 
And he's telling them, amend your ways, change your acts, because otherwise you're going to be taken away captive. Your homeland's going to be wasted. But this is what the Bible says in Jeremiah 6 and verse 14. Listen to what the false prophets were saying in the same hour. He says, they have healed also the herd of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. In other words, the the false prophets were saying, y'all don't have anything to worry about. It's peace. It's rainbows and skittles and unicorns. It's all of this great stuff. You don't have to worry about anything taking place. Your city's not going to be destroyed. You're not going to be taken captive. That's what they wanted to hear. But that's not what they needed to hear. They needed to hear Jeremiah's voice that said, beware. But they were looking for the people that were going to try to just pacify them and make them feel comfortable with what they were doing. Amen. But that's not what they needed to hear. They're saying peace. That's what Israel wanted. But that's not what was coming if they didn't amend their ways. The truth is that destruction was happening. And destruction was coming. And that's what they needed to hear in order that they might, although they heard it, in order that they might alter their ways. So we need, we need the truth of God's word. We need the truth of God's word that was inspired by God himself. More than some, some, some makeup, mechanics, manufactured thing of a man that doesn't correspond to God's word. It might make you feel good about yourself, but it won't save your soul. In Ezekiel 13 and verse 16, this is what was happening in Ezekiel's day. He said, to wit, the prophets of Israel which prophesy concerning Jerusalem, which see visions of peace for her. And there is no peace, saith the Lord. So there were, there were prophets of Israel in that day, false prophets, mind you. They're saying, oh, I'm seeing visions of peace for Israel. That ain't happening. That's what God said it wasn't going to happen. But there's people out there that's trying to cling on to what they want to hear. And so this kind existed in the Old Testament. These false prophets, teachers, they existed in the New Testament. I don't want to surprise anybody, but they exist today. Huh? If you remember Peter back in chapter 1, that's the reason he said this. He said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. So we have followed the inspired word of God. Listen to me very clearly. Tolerance of the world will produce indifference or lack of interest to truth. And tolerance of the word... If you will produce an indifference to the world. Well, how are you saying that? I'm saying Job said how forcible or forcibly are right words. Sometimes, listen, sometimes I, I must tolerate or endure. I'm not saying this in a negative sense. The word, because sometimes it comes to me in a reproving manner. Sometimes it comes to me in a rebuking manner. That's what he says. It preached the word, right? In season, out of season, right? Reprove, rebuke, right? Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And so sometimes I got to tolerate the word, it seems, because it comes to me in a reproving or a rebuking manner. But if I'll endure its work in my life, if I'll endure what it's doing, the reproving, the rebuking, if I'll endure that, I'll come to a place that I'll have little concern or interest about the allurements of the world. All right? If I say it like this, false teachers are not going to have my ear. 
if I'm giving my attention to the word, the things of the word, all the peripheral things that that, that encompasses. Now notice, we, go, we, we don't need to be ignorant though in this world. Huh? Everything that sounds good isn't good. Everything that looks good isn't good. You got to know them that labor among you. Because remember, difference from Jude here in 2 Peter chapter number 2, difference from Jude. In Jude, they were people that crept in unawares. But in 2 Peter 2, they were among them. They were among the household of faith. And they surfaced, right? They were false teachers that were among them. They were not outsiders coming in. They were insiders bringing up some damnable doctrines and heresies to the church. Now notice, when I say damnable heresies, and we, we, heresies have all this negative connotation, that was not so in the very origin of the word. Heresies basically meant choices. But over time, it gets this negative slant because now it says that they've brought to us some damnable or destructive choices. And you've heard it once, you've heard it a thousand times. Your choices are going to determine your destiny. Your choices, your choices will direct your path. Amen? And so they were bringing in destructive choices. Amen? When we needed the word of God to be counterbalancing with some productive choices. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and 1, what, look what the, the word says. It says, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now here's the thing. You can't try a spirit or gauge a spirit if you're not acquainted with truth. Because you don't have anything to gauge it against. Hmm? you got to have some standard to be able to gauge it against. So Peter wanted them to know the Lord so that they would not be swayed when men would say, and he said, Jesus said this would happen, when men would say, there is Christ, or here is Christ. Jesus said, as a matter of fact, in Matthew 24, one of the indicators of the end time, he said that there would be false Christ and false prophets cropping up here and cropping up there that would be doing signs and wonders, trying to deceive the people. He said that would be an indicator of some of the last days or indicator of the end times. And so people of Peter's day were saying that the end, was, remember, the end isn't coming. It's not going to take place. It's not going to happen. But Peter is saying if there are false teachers already arising, then that should be an indicator it's going to happen. The end is already, Mike Peter could have said, the end is already on its way. Because operating, now look, this is interesting to me, but operating in the area of false teaching is close of kin to Satan who disguised himself as an angel of light. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13, for such are false apostles. Deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, verse 14, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. So be careful, give an ear to the fables. Be careful, leaning in just to hear what you want to hear. 
Bible says that these false teachers, still in verse 1, these false teachers were denying, which is, a, I know that's the way it's conveyed in our English Bibles, but that's an interesting word choice that it would be translated as that. Whenever Peter, the one who is pinning the words, is the one who denied the Lord. False teachers were denying the Lord that bought them. You remember? Back, it's probably been weeks ago now, we talked about the lordship of Christ. We talk about that slave master. You remember? It's not that we are just servants, but we are literally slaves, which means we have been bought. We have been purchased. We don't have a say-so in the matter. It's like his wishes are command. That, that, that we, we, we are in obedience to him. He owns us. He bought us. He has the say-so in our lives. And it's as though these false teachers, though, were denying, look, the Lord who bought them. It's as though they were denying the lordship of God. They're denying the lordship of God. What are you saying? I don't mind for him to be my savior. I don't mind him being savior because he saved me. But I want to limit him whenever it comes to him being my Lord. He can save me nine times out of ten. I love that. He can show me grace. He can show me mercy and all those good things. He can do all that. But just don't tell me what to do. They denied the Lord, the Lordship, the Lordship of Christ, denying the Lord that bought them. God, you can be long-suffering all you want to. Man, just steer clear from that reproving and rebuking stuff. See, Peter denied the Lord three times. And after he was, after the Lord was apprehended and declared by the council to be crucified, we understand Peter along the journey then had been following him at a distance that he had warmed his hands by the fire of some of those that desired to crucify the Lord. He rejected even ever having been close to the Lord. You're, you're one of him, right? No, no, I'm not. No, no. Weren't you with? No, no, I wasn't with the Lord. But the Bible tells us that when he remembered, this is important, when he remembered the word of Jesus, he wept bitterly. Why? Because the spirit of the word, if we'll allow it to, has an ability to move on us and redirect us from leaning to fables back to truth. For, oh, it, many, this is sad. It says many will follow them in verse 2. Many will follow them. Sad, sad story, folks. I mean, I, I could handle few a whole lot better than the word many. But it says many will follow them. And that's a telltale sign for me, not just in that day, but I think sometimes often ours. It's a telltale sign that the church is anemic in the word of God and in people emulating his divine nature. They've had an experience, but they don't have a lifestyle. The Bible says many will follow, and note it there in verse 2, by reason of or because of whom or who they are. We've talked about this several different weeks about certain people, you know, that would be among them or in the church that had some type of reputation and notoriety that they would leave the path and as a result of their famous positions, quote unquote, in the church, that it's because of who they are that they'll follow. Kind of be, and it's not just because of who they are, but it's also to a certain degree, like John Butler said, he said, evil naturally appeals to man's depravity, which is true. By nature, the Adamic nature, we are steered that direction since the fall of mankind. 
And so the Bible says they're going to follow. They're going to follow them. They're going to follow their pernicious ways. Literally, that's their outrageous behavior, their indecent behavior, which, if you come to think of it, is indicative of a lack of control. It's indicative of having no temperance, which was one of the things in our list of five through seven of chapter one we were to add to our faith. Right? Huh? And so had we been doing our part, remember, God's part of our, had we been doing our part, maybe wouldn't be finding ourselves in the following aspect right now, pernicious ways. Because we'd have temperance, self-control. See, these things, this, in this culture, this went on, just outrageous things delved into some, some, some uh, promiscuous things concerning life. Uh, some, some, some dynamics that were not productive for sound doctrine, but they were destructive, destructive things. This is what Gene Green said, and this is, it was good, so this is an exact quote. The conduct of the people of God should be such that it does not cause those outside to slander the name of God. Conduct of the people of God should be such that it does not cause those outside to slander the name of God. Romans 2.24 said, Paul writing to the church at Rome, he said, for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you as it is written. Now listen, listen. Paul's not addressing the Gentiles. He's addressing the church. He's addressing the church at Rome. And he tells them, Their God's name has been blasphemed among the unbelievers because of them or as a result of them and their life. He says the way that you're all carrying on is giving a bad rap to your God and he's being spoken of by outsiders concerning the way that you've behaved outrageously. It's his word. Common prayer that I try to pray all times from day to day is this. Lord, help me not to be a reproach to your name and to your church. I try to to pray. I don't always get it right. Matter of fact, I ask God for forgiveness when I don't. But I try to pray, Lord, help me not to be a reproach to your name and to your church. David committed his sin with Bathsheba. He committed adultery, right? And that was a private thing. It came out. She was with child. And though the Bible says, 2 Samuel 12, that he found a place of repentance, he did. The thing was not going to be held to his charge. Although he found a place of repentance, it didn't keep the ripples in the water from happening after the event. He said, Nathan said to him in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 14, he just told him, that that thing wasn't going to be held to his charge. He said, how be it? Because by this deed, thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born into thee shall surely die. You know what Nathan is saying? He said, you got forgiveness. This thing is under the blood. But that doesn't mean what had taken place didn't give an occasion for the enemies in the world to make a mockery of what's supposed to be those that are living for God. Gene Green said, if slander is provoked, it should only be the result of Christian good conduct. We looked at that in First Peter series. 
whenever people were being attacked because of their good conduct, they weren't acting as they used to be when they were Gentiles. As a matter of fact, you remember, he said, whenever you was a Gentile, the years, however many years that was that you acted like that, that was sufficient. Meaning that was enough. He says, now you act in such a way you surprise them. And you get attacked as a result of it. He said, if there's going to, what Jean Green is saying, if there's going to be an attack come upon the church, let it not be for what she's done wrong, but let it be for what she's done right. False teachers hold to false beliefs. And here it is. They want to tell you what you want to hear. Primarily, of course, they want to garner a following of many. But look at verse number three. It's not just one to garner a following of many, but they want their financial support. (laughs) These people that they are getting by their fables are nothing but a transaction to them. They're merchandise. The Bible says with feigned words, which means fabricated, made up words. Through covetous... Through covetousness, look at verse 3. Shall they with feigned words, with made-up, fabricated words, make merchandise of you? They're saying what you want to hear, and that's not benefiting you, but it does them. Your support fuels their greed, especially when you support financially. They want you to send in that seed money so they can buy that private jet. They're saying what they're saying because they're greedy, not because they want to help you. They are, God, I'm going to be both tonight for the airwaves podcast. They are a hireling. And Job said that a hireling looketh for the reward of his work. They are a hireling. It's not about the work for them. It's about the reward of their work. The Bible says Jesus was speaking in the New Testament. He was talking about he himself being the good shepherd of John 10. and verse number 11, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He said, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. He said, the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. What are you saying? I'm saying that a hireling is just in it for what he can get out of it. He's not really in it for the sheep. He's not in it for the people. When danger comes, he's gone. He's telling you the good story, but he's not telling you the truthful story. And the truthful story is the wolf is on the parole, and we got to guard ourselves and take cover. And we got to live by the power and by the divine nature so an entrance will be made for us for the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, here is the real crux of the matter. So they, they're merchandising you. You're merchandise. You're just a transaction to them. But they say, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Here's the fact. Judgment is coming. For the just and the unjust, judgment is coming. 
for those that are standing upon the God-initiated breed word of God and those that are propagating the fables, judgment is coming. Say it even like this. Judgment is already on the way. Judgment is already on the way. Here's the thing about judgment. Oftentimes, judgment may appear slow in coming. Hmm? You, even, you even as a spectator sometimes think, man, how long is someone going to get by with that? Huh? Judgment may appear slow in coming. But that does not prove it will never come. Here's the thing. So people's not only, in Peter's day, they're not only misjudging the coming of Christ, they're misjudging the coming of judgment. Because his first coming and his second coming, though there's a lot of similarities, there's a lot of differences. He's not coming back as a babe in Bethlehem's manger to be the lamb that's slain. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. With dominion and power. Oh, yes. He come the first time with his love and his grace. He's coming the second time with his judgment, his wrath. And so Peter says, judgment is coming. But the false prophets have been telling the people, trying to convince them, it's not coming. Right? The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 11. And I'll be running to a close. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 11. Turn that into a song, huh? Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Interpretation. Go back. Oh, that is it. Since people. Thank you, Mike. Since people seem to get by with stuff. Then everybody else that sees them get by with stuff says, you know what? I'm going to try some stuff too. Since the hammer doesn't fall on them, it's like, you know what? I'm going to give this chance because it didn't fall on them. It probably won't fall on me. Verse 12. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. Verse 13. But it shall not be well with the wicked. Neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. And so here it is again. Since some people, it would seem, get by with murder. Huh? (laughs) All people want to do. All these people want to do what they want to do. What they please. Validate their actions by underscoring the fact that nothing ever happened to them. The, the, the most scariest thing there is is to do it injustice, quick judgment not come, and then feel as though it's okay to continue to do in the injustice because we got by. One of the most dangerous places for us to be. And what we are really doing in that moment is misunderstanding God's mercy He will always precede his judgment with mercy. That purpose of mercy is a window for making right the wrong rather than repeating the wrong. But when we don't learn to take advantage of mercy, guess what comes on the coattail of mercy? Judgment. 
I wish I could count sometimes. I've heard people say, well, I still feel the spirit of God. I wish I could count the times that people have said, well, I still I still speak in tongues. I still pray. And they're not doing as they should be doing or as the word teaches. That is by no means a validation for the wrong. That's an awakening to a merciful God that we must take advantage of a hand of mercy and grace. So he says whenever whenever consequences seem not to be served immediately or speedily or quickly for what has been done wrong against truth, the truth of God, the truth of his word, then everybody wants to follow and walk after the flesh. And as they do it, you know what they're going to do? They'll point at somebody else's success that's done it before them. Everybody said that's, that's, that was verse number 11 in a nutshell. They'll, they'll be trying to validate their life by nothing happening to somebody else that did something wrong. But if you practice that, I'm telling you, sooner or later, the proverbial fly in the ointment's going to land. Amen. It's not how it works. A Marine recruit, I'm, I'm running, I really am. A Marine recruit, recruiting sergeant, he happened to be up on a very impressive site while traveling in the backwoods of a country. This one roadside farm were targets painted just about everywhere he could look on barns on fences on all the outbuildings that was in the acreage and exactly in the center of all of those targets bull's eye there was a bullet hole he's he's a sergeant of the marines here now the marine corps thinking man i could use a marksman like that he stopped by the house knocked on the door door was answered by a gangling barefoot lad of a not too bright appearance who proudly admitted that he had made the targets and the bullet holes in them and the sergeant asked him son how in the world did you manage that you must be a sharpshooter that's a perfect bullseye with every shot and with a draw the young man said oh that's easy sarge he said i just shoot first and then i paint rings around the bullet hole But that's exactly how people validate. That's exactly how people validate. They won't, they won't admit to missing the mark. They'll just try to make it look like that was the mark all along. And that's how false teachers and false prophets and Satan operates too. He just says, live your life. We'll just draw the bullseye wherever it lands. Folk, that's not it. Whenever the Bible speaks of sin, that is called missing the mark. The mark has already been determined. And we're just trying to get an alignment to press toward the mark of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. As long as I live my life, I'll validate the target. Oh, God. Stand with me. So the shots really looked good to the sergeant until he knew the story behind them, didn't he? Looks real good to do wrong with no consequences until you start to learn some things along the way. Listen to me very clearly. Best example I have of this in Scripture. Aaron, huh? Aaron, relative of Moses. Aaron was there when Miriam spoke against Moses. For that matter, the Bible says Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. 
You can read it in the Word of God. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. But Miriam is the only one of the two that was afflicted with leprosy for seven days and sat outside the camp. Nothing apparently happened to Moses. And Aaron, rather, and he's high priest. Nothing. Aaron was there when Moses smote the rock twice. He was there when God told Moses, speak to the rock. He was aware of the information. But Moses smote the rock twice. Aaron was there. And as a result of it, because of this deed that was done in the eyes of all the people, Moses, you can't enter the promised land. Aaron seemed unscathed. Nothing. He's a high priest. Aaron was there and deeply entrenched and involved with the making of the golden calf. He collected all the gold. And in the way that he said it, Moses, I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. As though he didn't have to use a graven tool on it at all. The dancing, the promiscuousness of the people. There was a bunch of people that died that day. Not Aaron. Nothing seemingly happened. Judge it may grind slow. But that doesn't mean it'll never happen. Because toward the ending of Aaron's life, the Bible says, take Aaron up to the Mount Hor. Strip the garments of priesthood off him. And when they did, he immediately died. And he never came down the mountain. What are you saying, Brother McGee? God hadn't missed one episode or one thing. While anybody in the nation of Israel said, how in the world is he getting by with this? How something, judgment not happening, that taking place? God had not missed a thing. Judgment was already on its way. His timing just had to be just right. It might grind slow, but it'll come. It'll come just as certain as the morning over the horizon the next day. It will come. Hallelujah. If we bow our heads here tonight, false teachers and their students. Peter's telling us all this because we need to be conscious of what's around us. We need to be conscious that we don't have itching ears that are trying to give ear, if you will, just to hear things that we want. Listen, sometimes... In, it, it, uh, it's difficult sometimes as a pastor because I know sometimes the things that I'm going to treat, teach and preach people really don't want to hear. I mean, honestly, it's probably going to be sandpaper preaching for somebody. You know. But if all we ever did was come together and we patted everybody on the back and we stroked every head and we just ever made everybody just always feel good about themselves and whatever's going on in their life and the way that life is being lived. Let me tell you something, folks. We'd be a long distance from where we need to be to be called the church. It takes reproof and rebuke, exhortation with all, of course, yes, long-suffering. We don't do it hatefully. We do it with love. We do it with a spirit of compassion, yes, but nonetheless, we do it. Nonetheless, we do it. And I know there's things that goes on in our lives that maybe nobody else knows about except you. 
And maybe there's things that surface in your life that's a result of whatever may be going on in your life that nobody knows about except you. But listen to Pastor McGee. I was trying to lay down after, I say after work yesterday, because uh, I was just beat. And I couldn't sleep. I got up and wrote, wrote a few things. And God laid this on my heart. There are things that, you know, you, you know don't judge people too quickly because there's things that go on in their life that nobody else knows about. And God spoke to me and he said, that's exactly true. He said, but if the things that surface in their life that maybe is attached to nobody else knows about, if the things that surface are unbiblical, they still have to be addressed nonetheless. Because a bad response to a bad situation doesn't make things good. So what I'm saying tonight is this. We need to allow the word of God, the God-breathed, God-initiated word to move into our souls and our homes and our families and do a work on us and in us. And that's going to make us feel uncomfortable at times. That's going to address things in our minds and our spirits. It's going to call to order. It's going to call to attention some things. But that's not the time, sir or ma'am, that's not the time for us to ignore that or become calloused or hardened to that. That's the time that we need to be soft and malleable and take advantage of the mercy of God. So I don't want to follow a fable. I don't want to follow an untruth. I don't want to just go on by the seat of my pants. No, 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 no. I want to let the Spirit of God that I receive allow me to adopt that divine nature that He has and continually grow in that. I want to make heaven my home someday. I want to make heaven my home someday. And honestly, I just don't want to be handicapped on earth in the process of trying to do that. I I want to be victorious. I want to live godly and righteously before the Lord. Can we raise our hands in this building tonight, Father? God, I love you tonight, O Lord. I want to live the way that you want me to live, O God. I want to live the way that you want me to live. Help me, God, to beware. God of the fables. Let me beware of the things, Lord, that promise something quote-unquote better or not as difficult or less hard or all these things that would come into our ears. God, that would pull us, that would, Lord Jesus, entice us. I pray, oh God, today, no, 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 no. God, help us, Lord, to set our feet upon, Lord, the foundation, Lord Jesus, of your word. God, we will, Lord, have attack. God, when we do good concerning that, that for sure will happen. It, it, it's just going to happen. But God, if we can just stay, Lord Jesus, faithful, God, to what is God-inspired, to what was God-initiated. Let the voices of the false prophets, let the voices of the false teachers, let the voices of those that say we have it so better, see, we can do what we can do, and there's no consequence, there's no nothing to come upon us. Listen, judgment day is still coming. If nothing happens in the years upon this earth, judgment day will still come for all. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Brother Mason, I don't know if you have a course real quick. I know we are past 830. It's 842 right now. This doesn't happen all the time, but that's okay. Amen. I want to just be mindful of the presence of the Lord right now. Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, 
thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast.